There it goes. Grand Rising, everyone. I like having two lives. Bread and coffee. Got my coffee here. Yum. We'll just start all over again. <laughs> it's like the bloopers of, you know, going live. Um, I don't know how many I have, um, but definitely have some. <laughs> okay, so anyway, but I like the live, right? That's kind of my jam. I'm not one to like pre-record and then fix it and make it all pretty and um and typically it's or mostly because um i wanted to do spiritual alchemy emotion and what that really does mean is that you know you're getting on here and it's raw and real and authentic and being as authentic as possible so a lot of the times um i don't even know what i'm going to talk about i just get on here and start talking and um of course because i'm a practitioner of the great work always have some kind of something to share in terms of process. Um, and then I read quite a bit and I'm in a master's program, of course, of transformational um, and transformation and consciousness, transformative and consciousness studies, which is pretty powerful. And what I can say is that I've done a ton of work in transformational um, work in um, specifically around ontology, right? Where um, ways of being or how do you tap into the essence of who you are? And that literally, um, good morning, who just got on here um, to you. And um, when you're doing that transformational process, it's really quite interesting because you're sort of, again, peeling back the layers of, you know, the, I would say the way the, the ego has constructed itself. Um, now, ego is not a bad thing. We need ego. And ego does give us the opportunity to actually expand our consciousness. But what happens with ego is, is so much stuff gets thrown into it that may not be ours, but we, we wear it as though it's ours. In other words, people will dictate to us who they think we are now or who they are seeing or who we are reflecting to them. But maybe internally, we don't feel that way. Um, and somehow there's not this authentic connection between the internal and external. And so we are trying, hopefully, if you're a practitioner of the great work, to get closer to your authentic self, to who you truly are internally. And sometimes that means that you have to sort of peel back the layers of the social conditioning, familial conditioning, um, and everything around us that sort of has constructed the ego. Um, and some of it's ours and some of it's not. Some of it is stuff that we just said, okay, we're going to go with it because society says that this is the right thing to do. This is how things should be. So we start to peel that back. Now, when you start to do that and you go through these transformational processes, it can really wreak havoc on your life. It's not easy. It's not fun. Um, and oftentimes people think that it's spiritual enlightenment about this beautiful thing. I think we're starting to hear more and more about how it is actually a warrior's path because you are slaying through some very, very uncomfortable things as you go through the process. What you find, though, is your treasure. And, you know, alchemy is part of that. It's kind of clearing out all of the stuff or transforming all of the stuff into these great gems of, of beauty within and, and really tapping into that authentic you that's magnificent and beautiful and a jewel and a gem and is ready to, you know, co-create with, with ex all existence. So the creativity comes out. Now, 
um, the transformative studies that I'm doing um, has taken it to a different, a whole other level. Hey, GP man, how are you? Um, has taken it to an entirely different level. In other words, you think that you're done, but you're never really there. Now, in consciousness studies, they're, you know, they're sort of looking at like through development of consciousness, like, well, how does consciousness develop over time? They've given it these levels. I personally don't believe in levels. Um, I believe in expansion and contraction. Um, and I think that within certain pieces of our life, right, we can look at do different domains of our life and say there are certain domains of our life that, um, we are more evolved in and expanded in and others that we're more contracted in. Um, and, you know, I, and then some of those, as we expand, start to seep into the other domains of our life. Um, you know, and for instance, or to understand what I'm saying is that we have, um, you know, maybe finances, career, maybe family, friends, uh, recreation, education, um, relationships. So we're looking at maybe some of these domains and we're saying in the domain of career, perhaps I'm very, um, very, very mature in that particular arena. And by that, I don't mean that your consciousness is that maybe your career is good and you're getting paid a lot of money. I'm talking about that your career is closest to the authentic you that you are. In other words, you are shaping your career and your life around what internally gives you joy. Because you see people in careers who say, well, yeah, I'm totally mature in this career and I'm doing what I, you know, this great job, I have all this money, but I'm not happy. So what I'm talking about is the expansion of that joy and, and the core essence of who we, we are. So we come in with joy and we come in with love. And how do we expand that from the core of who we are? Well, it becomes very, very difficult because of the the laws that are put on by man right we we make all this stuff up we put all these pressures on everybody in the world and we apply these pressures to people and then people believe that they have to be a certain way um and typically our families more, more than not right are kind of kind of forcing us into being who they think we should be and they don't necessarily like the fact that we are going in a different direction um in fact i was watching this netflix show right just cheesy i don't know movie right i like to watch movies it's very relatable and easy to talk about this stuff but the daughter she is part of this very wealthy family and they want her she wasn't very smart okay so in the show they're saying well she wasn't too bright and um you know she wants to be a chef and her parents think that that's just like a low status thing. They want her to go to business school and run the business and all this stuff. And so she rebels because she herself does not want to do that. But the pressure of the family is coming upon her. Now, most times and oftentimes, we wear the pressure. And we, instead of standing up because it's not easy, it's harder to say, no, that is not who I am than it is to just bend and fold to what people think we should be. And so we have all these people in the world just doing what they think they should because somebody told them or dictated to them that that's what they should do. And then they're miserable. So when we tap into our essence and our consciousness, when we start to peel back the layers and really root into who we are at the core of who we are, 
um, then we can start to blossom from that space. So a lot of it is pulling out the weeds, getting through this murk and mist and all the crap that, you know, has been, we have allowed ourselves to take on and letting go. And even the letting go process is not easy. And I've talked about this before because looking at how society has constructed, how are dictating how our life should be. You say, well, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to be this. And you have a family now. And now you're going to have to, you know, get a great job and you're going to have to all the pressures, right? Come on. And you're doing this thing. And then all of a sudden you have an awakening, right? And I know, I think GP man, you've been through this, obviously you wake up and you go, Oh shit, this is not it. I, I don't want to do this. And, and you just can't carry that load anymore. It's almost as if it's just too much one day and you just want to throw it to the garbage and you just want to change your whole life, right? And most people call this a midlife crisis. <laughs> and we see it with individuals who have gone on with their life doing shit they don't want to do. Excuse my language, but it's true. People are just going on doing things they don't want to do. Um, out of what society said they had to be or their family had to be, right? Good morning, ruthless. <laughs> um, and they go on doing it. And so those pressures, so we we get to this point, but here's the deal. This is why it becomes even more hard, right? To To kind of throw that to the wayside is that now people are dependent on us to be this certain way. And if we let it all go and crumble, there's a fear of what is going to happen if we just let it all go. What would happen? And and to most people, it feels like a death. And it is. And that's why we call this a, a rite of passage. We call it a spiritual death, you know, a death and a rebirth. Um, you know, even religion still holds some of these ceremonies for people who are going through death and rebirth, right? You're going through a change of life where maybe you're realizing you've gone your whole entire life doing shit you don't want to do and you're not happy. And you're like, what, what, what did I do? I just spent this many years of my life doing stuff that doesn't really even, I don't even enjoy. And I just did it because society told me I had to. Well, now I have to change because if I don't, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm going to get sick, uh, whatever it is. And you just can't do it anymore. So you see people, you see this happening and, and they can't, they can't keep up anymore. The anxiety gets high, whatever happens to them. And some people will continue to do it. They will continue and they'll just get sick and then they end up sick and they end up. So they're not really living this joyful life. Now, some people go through a whole crisis, right? What they call the midlife crisis. And they go out and they buy crazy stuff to try to find that happiness. They're searching. They're out there trying to figure out who the hell they are because they never really got to do that. And then, and then they, you know, they buy, you hear about it all the time, right? So you hear about these, um, and not, not just men, but it's easier to say men because that's kind of who they focus on in society, but they go and they, yeah, I want a motorcycle. There you go. That's exactly what I was just going to say. They go out and buy these fast cars or they buy some kind of, you know, and then, and there you go. And that's fine. Right. That's, but really, what is it that it's telling you? Okay. You're looking great. Keep it up. I started working out too. Yay. Good. Yeah, I mean, I was doing, well, oh, I won't get off topic with the, the whole health, but stress can kill. It totally can kill. It totally can. So, so again, when we're looking at it and, and we get to this sort of midlife crisis, right? I wasn't allowed during my marriage to get a motorcycle. Yeah, see, 
you weren't allowed. Do you see what I'm saying? So you in authentic you said, this is what I want to do. Maybe I like the road. I like freedom. I like the wind on my face. I like to be whatever it is. Right. And so you yourself (laughs) were not able to be fully you, which is like, right. That's like crap. It's like, what do you mean? I can't get a motorcycle. It's my life. It's what I want. And and so um, I just like speed. Well, there you go. And you like speed. You have a need for speed. And so basically what has happened is that those layers get pushed on us and the tiny, the, the essence of us gets almost crushed, but it never goes away. It'll always be there. And but letting go becomes the hard part, right? Because now, and most people at, you know, mid-age have a family. And they're like, well, I just can't throw that down the toilet. Like, I can't just walk away and let go completely. Now there's this huge responsibility to figure out, how do I make it look different? Typically, by midlife, your kids are old enough, right? And then maybe serious conversations need to happen. Um, but that's not always the case. And so we see this happening in society and it's this perpetual cycle that goes on and on and on and on and on. And people are not living their best life. Okay. Yeah. That's why I couldn't get one wife and kids. There you go. So, and is it a bad thing? Right, wrong? No, there's a lesson there, right? For, for you to understand, but how do we start to get to the authentic self after all of this craziness is going on? in our life and in everything else. And part of it's letting go of what we think needs to happen or the way it needs to look. That's not an easy task because you're going to have so many people, right, telling you what to do, how to do it, or if you don't get their advice and you start doing all this stuff, they're going to say you're crazy, something's wrong with you. And the reality is, is that something was wrong with you because you weren't living your authentic life. And I don't want to say wrong but it was always there. You just never had a chance to be you because everybody made you wrong for it. But it's going to express itself some way, somehow. And it could be stress or it could be midlife crisis or it could be totally going berserk. Some people just totally go berserk and they call this a mental issue and all that stuff. And it's not, it's the self is trying to express itself. The essence of the core essence of who you are is trying to be recognized. And, and it's like, I've had enough. You never, you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen when I said this, you didn't listen when I said that now you're in this predicament and now I'm going to force you into it. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. So, you know, this goes to the conversation of determinism and free will. We, we do have a choice. Um, and, but also there's something that's predetermined, I believe as well. So I think there's a both and, and how it gets played out. And if we don't listen to that calling, if we don't listen to that essence of who we truly feel we are, um, we end up doing damage, more damage than good, to be honest with you. It ends up being worse. And the longer we wait, the more damage and the harder it becomes. So if you saw a kid who fought for who they wanted to be, okay, and a a child who was like, this is my path, this is who I am, this is what I'm up to, and they continue to do that, 
you would see that they would create a magnificence in the world. That's why they say, oh, there's these prodigies. We were all prodigies. It's just that the parents of these prodigies recognized and allowed that essence to blossom the way the child wanted to. Okay, that's what happened. We all had our unique um, genius within us. But then we may not have had parents who understood this. And then they try to condition you to be what they wanted you. And sometimes we have parents who want to live vicariously through their kids. So they force them into doing the things they wanted to do. And that's really not what the child wanted. So, you know, the conditioning, and that's why we have mom and daddy issues most of the time. But, you know, if your parents let you truly evolve into your essence, you know, I'm sure things would look a lot different. They would look different. And so we see this, I think it was Mozart's story we're talking about, right? That his father played and he was a, a well-known musical artist. And apparently Mozart or Beethoven, I can't remember which one it was, anyway, was sleeping in the other room. I think it was Beethoven actually. And his father was playing at a party for a bunch of people and he didn't play the last note and he didn't close out the song. And you know how that is, it's called dissonance, right? Or it's called, um, there's no completion of the song. The song just feels like there's, um, I can't remember the name in, in music. Anyway, Beethoven was upstairs sleeping. He was at like three years old, apparently. And he came downstairs and he finished the song because it bothered him that it wasn't finished. And he played it perfectly and ended it perfectly with the right keys and notes. Now, here's the deal. His father was a musician. He didn't, his father didn't force him into being a musician. He loved music. But because his father was a musician, he let him explore. And there you go. So the genius was already there. So for you, there was a genius already there. Now, your parents probably didn't recognize it, didn't see it, and maybe they didn't even care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? And then what ends up happening is you are fighting to be who you want to be, and society's telling you, no, don't do it. Somebody was like, I, like that girl, I want to be a chef. And they're like, no. That's not a good thing, but she could be the best chef in the world because that's inherently who she is, right? So tapping into that and recognizing it and understanding what that is for you, like that, you know, the need for speed, what does that even mean? Maybe there's something else deeper there, right? And, and maybe it's, you know, the freedom or something else, right? That ability to be mobile, the ability to not have to stay grounded in one place forever, right? That's what I think of. <laughs> that's because I like to move around. I'm like, I can't just be in one spot all the time. But, you know, that's me. But I'm just saying dig deep into understanding that essence. What is it for you? You know, and how do you retap into it? Now, I'm not saying to go deconstruct your whole life. I would never say such a thing because it's not easy. Um, and it's not easy task. It's not. I like the adrenaline. Yeah, the rush, the rush of things. Ah, coffee. So tapping into that, understanding that, knowing how to maneuver through that, 
um, giving yourself permission to really um, tap into who your essence is, what your essence is, and then start to drive yourself in that direction. Um, you know, so me peeling back the layers of my onion, <laughs> I call it, and getting to the authentic core of who I am. And that core being um, something very different than what I, you know, had imagined and things that I didn't get to explore um, as much because of the social conditioning. Um, but at the same token, the part of me that I did get to explore, um, that is my essence without letting the conditioning of society, you know, force its thing upon me was my autonomy for me to be independent and free and, you know, within my own family, within my own life and do what I want to do. And I fought for that because that was important to me. And you know, I shouldn't have had to fight, fight for that, but I did. But that's how society's constructed. Now, I'm not saying my all my family was like that, but then having this recognition of my own genius, which was not recognized and not fully supported, which is now being recognized and supported because I've done the work for so long that my family can now see me for me rather than who they expect me to be and that takes time because it takes a, a you know healing within the family not every family comes with you know them seeing the essence of their child and then letting that evolve into whatever it's going to be it's not typically how it happens it's more like you need to go to work and get a job you need to go to school you need to do all this stuff you know or I liked school, so that's kind of my thing. I'm always in learning and education where I got the opposite end. You're too old to be in school. <laughs> uh, and then I go, well, you ain't paying my bills, and I don't ask you for anything, so why do you think you have an opinion here, right? Not to be mean, but it's the truth, and I didn't listen. I did what I wanted, right? So that fight for independence, and I had to fight for it in a lot of ways to not be told what I should be doing, but let me be who I be. So hopefully this was helpful um, because that's kind of where I'm at anyway as well in terms of really going back to the core essence of who I am and rediscover. So totally shed my skin into something new. And that's part of alchemy. We're never staying exactly the same. We're shedding back the layers and we're, we're taking off the layers and we're letting go of the old so that the new can start to breathe. We're giving breath to new life where it can start to grow and blossom. And the new phase of blossoming is I've taken out all the weeds and now what's coming up are the beautiful scented, not that weeds aren't beautiful, but the scented flowers or whatever it is that the essence of who you are is evolving and actually blossoming into the magnificent you. Now that takes time and it's not easy. Of course, I say this all the time because it's not. Hey, Linga, how are you? Been been a while. <laughs> been some time, mate. <laughs> I just thought I would talk in your language, okay? <laughs> mate. How's Australia? 
how are things going out there? Still crazy as ever. <laughs> um, so let's see. I understand. I understand. <laughs> yes. Oh Lord, I know the world is in a weird, crazy space. Um, and but we can create, and I've talked about this, our own sort of bubble. Um, and it, it's not easy, but it's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible, right? Um, but not not so easy. Um, so peel back the layers, get to the essence, that core. Um, and I'm going to start looking deeper into the acorn theory. I think I like this. Now, I'm very reluctant to just take on anybody's theory, and I always have issues with models and stuff like that. And so I'm always giving my opinion, especially when I'm in class with my professors. I'm like, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But I do agree with this, this, and this, right? So I'm kind of the one who stirs the pot. And a lot of the reason why these theoretical frameworks don't necessarily work for me is because they're from the perspective of, as you guys know, a white man um, or, you know, in America, because, and, and not only that, but it's from a scientific perspective. And right now science doesn't have the answers. And so we're finally getting to a place where the mystical and the, the, the magical mystical piece can start to come back in the imagination can start to come back in to kind of talk about these things because we need it we need both um science and we need the mystical magical so um reconstructing that um but we've taken it out we've sucked it out and so when i look at a lot of these models i'm like mm, it's not a model that i would use um but you know I would say that there are pieces of the model that might work. And so the acorn theory is something that I really want to look into because what I like about it is that it starts at the base and the core of who we are, that we are the seed. Now I've created um, a chart and models of, you know, the seed and how the seed is already there within us. We came from the seed, right? And that seed of potential of who we are has already been there since the beginning. And that we evolve from that seed into who we get to be, but we can't always blossom because again, weeds are put into our garden. And so we're unable to blossom, right? Hello, John. Um, so looking at the acorn theory, and I think I will be doing that um, and you know, then reporting out because I'm also on a sort of a, an idea of preach what you practice, which is alchemy in motion, not just practice what you preach, which I don't even think that word, that phrase should exist because to be honest with you, um, rather than conceptualize it, why don't it, you experience it? And I think we'd have a lot more wise society if people did that, if they preached what they practiced, if they actually went out and experienced the world and then reported out rather than looking at the world observing it and reporting out but not really experiencing it so preaching what you practice um i think has more merit um and it gives us the opportunity to embody and to experience the world and then bring wisdom back from the experience totally different way of thinking about that so i was thinking about doing a workshop called preach what you practice <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm always wanting to do these workshops. I'm like, I don't know if anyone would show up. But, you know, I want to do them because it's, I think it's valuable. So go out there and practice. Okay? Practice, practice, practice. Kung Fu is mastery through time and effort, which is practice. That means it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just practice and you'll get better at it. And you start to hone in on your skills. So whatever it is you're practicing, go out and practice. Um, you can also find my courses ready to go, setting goals and achieving them. Um, you can find it at spiritandbrew at gmail.com on my website. There's a link. Um, you just click on it and you can get to the actual um, course. Um, and and I'm going to be doing um, some, maybe some discount codes for individuals that are they get on the podcast regularly if you're interested in that. Um, but starting to build on that because that's just the basic foundation of how you can start to construct your life the way that you want to. Um, okay, so there you have it. Um, I love you guys. Have a fantastical day. Um, and I will see you while well, I'll be on vacation for a while. I need a vacation. <laughs> I know I took a time off from here, um, which I needed, but I'm actually going to go away and take a vacation, um, not just off here. So maybe not next week. Uh, maybe I will get on during my vacation just because um, I love being with you guys. And maybe I won't. I don't know. Let's see. Okay, so there you go. Have a great day. And of course, I will be seeing you soon. Bye-bye.